What if I told you the Daniel fast isn't really a fast at all? That's one of the controversial topics we'll explore in today's episode. This is Cherie. Welcome to Meditating the Word. It's day 20 of our 21-day fast. Today, we are going to look at chapter 6 through 9 of A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, Master the Habit that Provokes God's Favor, by Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Chapter 6, How Long Should I Fast and Pray? Fasting is a deeply personal and spiritual act, and it varies in length and frequency from person to person. The Bible doesn't prescribe a specific duration for fasts. It's more about being led by Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Romans 8.14 A sunrise to sunset fast, or a six to six fast, is found in Judges 20.26 and 2 Samuel 1.12. 24-hour fasts were observed by the Pharisees two days a week, on Mondays and Thursdays. The disciples also fasted two days a week, on Wednesdays and Fridays, so they weren't fasting simultaneously with the hypocrites. Israel also fasted for an entire day for the purpose of repentance. The prophet Samuel prayed, offering a sacrifice, and God delivered them from the Philistines. 1 Samuel 7, 5-11 Three-Day Fast We see a longer commitment in the time of Queen Esther. Mordecai, the Jews, Queen Esther, and her handmaidens fasted for three full days before she approached King Xerxes for help. This fast is unique because the Jews abstained not just from food, but also from drink during those three days. Other than Moses' supernatural experience of not eating or drinking for 40 days, the Esther fast is the longest example we have in the Bible of a total fast, no food or liquids. Keep in mind, the Jews in Esther's day were literally fasting and praying for their lives. Your focus should be more on prayer and God's word than on how harshly you can treat your body. Seven-day fast. At the end of King Saul's reign, all of his sons were killed, and Saul fell upon his own sword, along with his armor-bearer, and ended his life. The men of Jabesh-Gilead fasted for seven days, mourning for the dead. 1 Samuel 31, 1-13 King David spent seven days fasting and praying for his terminally ill son in 2 Samuel 12. Fourteen-day fast. When Paul was being taken to Rome, a heavy storm overtook the ship. The crew didn't eat for 14 days, Acts 27.33. However, these men weren't Christians, and they were not seeking God in fasting and prayer, so this isn't a true example of fasting. 21-day fast. There is no true 21-day fast found in Scripture. 40-day fast. Moses fasted in the presence of God. In those 40 days, he neither ate nor drank anything. We can assume that this fast was a supernatural experience rather than an act of discipline. Obviously, to go without water for 40 days is impossible. 
Elijah fasted for 40 days after eating what we can identify as a supernatural meal. An angel woke him up and provided two meals for him. He ate and drank, and those supernatural meals empowered him to complete a 40-day journey to Horeb, where God spoke to him. Jesus truly fasted for 40 days and was hungry at the end. Shuttlesworth brings up an interesting point about these 40-day fasts. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And Jesus represents the New Testament. A 40-day fast is a serious commitment. The only true 40-day fast we find in Scripture was the one undertaken by Jesus. This is not a fast that should be entered into lightly, but you should consider this choice prayerfully. Are you willing and able to take 40 days to truly focus on prayer and the Word of God? Fasts of unspecified lengths. Antioch's prophets and teachers were engaged in fasting and prayer for an unknown time before separating Paul and Barnabas into the ministry in Acts 13, 2, and 3. Again, after prayer and fasting, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders to the churches, Acts 14, 23. The important thing is to never become legalistic in the length of our fasting. As believers, we must be led by Holy Spirit. Chapter 7. How should I pray when I fast? Prayer during fasting should be specific and based on God's Word. Philippians 4.6 encourages us to be specific in our requests to God. This specificity not only aligns our prayers with God's promises, but it also helps us recognize when our prayers are answered. Unspoken prayer requests aren't scriptural. If others are going to agree with you in prayer, they need to have at least a general idea of what they're praying for, healing, finances, etc. It's also important that our prayers are based on God's Word. This is a prerequisite to answered prayer. Our covenant with Him is based on His promises. He must do what He has promised, and He cannot lie. Numbers 23.19 God is always watching over His Word to perform it. Jeremiah 1.12 And when it's released, it will always accomplish what He sends it to do. Isaiah 55, 11. Shuttlesworth talks about our prayers being a thanksgiving and praise sandwich, meaning we should start and end our prayer time with thanksgiving and praise. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Psalm 104. He gives the example of setting aside an hour for prayer with the first 15 minutes just thanking and praising God for what he has already done and the promises of his word. The next 30 minutes, standing on scripture and asking God to move in your life. The last 15 minutes, thanking and praising him for what he's going to do. Scripture tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22, 3. Another key aspect is praying with a kingdom mindset, prioritizing God's desires and the needs of others over our own. It's a law of seed time and harvest. 
sowing and reaping. We are encouraged to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to us. Matthew 6.33 If we put God's desires first, we will never have to worry about our desires. For those being led by the Spirit of God, peace is a spiritual marker that you're moving in the right direction. Joy propels us and peace leads us forward. Isaiah 55, 12. We're also commanded to pray for those in authority. Pray for your pastor and his or her family. Pray for those in leadership positions in our nation. Even if you didn't vote for your current political leader, that's not an excuse to not pray for them. Scripture commands believers to pray for those in political leadership. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3 Pray for wisdom. Wisdom opens the door to many of the other blessings that God has for his people. Ask God to give you a good idea. Set a goal to be led by God's Spirit in prayer. God may lead you to pray for things you may not know about. The most important part of prayer is not what we say to God. It's what God says to us. Even when you don't know what or how to pray, Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Romans 8.26 Chapter 8 The Four Appetites That Must Be Dealt With When Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness, each one of the appetites was specifically tested. Three of them are carnal, and one is divine. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life. 1 John 2.16 The fourth, the spiritual appetite, every believer is responsible for developing for themselves. The desires of the flesh. Your body wants to please itself with food, and although it's good for you, your flesh rejects and resists exercise. Many are sick and in distress because they are not taking care of their bodies. Allowing our flesh to have what it wants will always lead to destruction. Fasting and prayer give you victory over the flesh and put it into submission. Paul said he subdued his flesh daily. 1 Corinthians 9.27 During Christ's fasting and prayer, Satan tried to appeal to Jesus' carnal desire to eat. But Jesus responded, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is bread for your spirit. Jesus is the word made flesh, John 1.14. He was the bread that came down from heaven, John 6.41. When you eat natural food, your flesh becomes stronger. However, when you fast, pray, and read God's word, your spirit becomes stronger. The desires of the eyes. Although we have five senses, the two that primarily fuel our hearts with information are what we see and what we hear. If we're going to guard our hearts, we not only have to guard what we see and what we hear, we have to guard how we process what we see and hear. For instance, fear doesn't come by what we see or hear. It comes by how we process what we see or hear. It's not that having things is wrong, but things cannot have you. 
That's why tithing and giving are tests that measure the state of your heart toward God. It reveals whether you serve God or money. It reveals where you place your trust. Think about the rich young ruler. Did Jesus tell anyone else to sell all of their possessions? No, only this man. Why? Because he must have discerned that the young ruler had a problem with possessions ruling his life. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Matthew 19.22 His possessions had control of his life. It's not that money or possessions are evil. It's the love of money that's the source of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Matthew 4, 8 and 9. Fasting humbles us and puts life in perspective. Through fasting and prayer, we realize that God is all we need. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He is everything we need and has given us all we need to live for him. 2 Peter 1, 3. The pride of life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride was the very thing that caused Lucifer to be ejected from heaven. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5. I'm sure you can see why the devil so badly wants to pull you into pride. He would love to make God your enemy and ultimately destroy you. Throughout scripture, fasting was a method used by God's people to humble themselves. It serves that same purpose today. As long as we have a carnal nature, pride will be a temptation. The Desires of the Spirit The desires of your human spirit are unified with those of Holy Spirit because you have been made new in Christ those desires lead to the supernatural blessings of the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. Not everyone is being filled, only those who are hungry and thirsty. Hunger and thirst are driving forces, catalysts of action. Hunger is a strong driving force that will provoke you to action. When you eat spiritually, it makes you even hungrier. When you see the effects it has in your life, your spiritual appetite grows in strength. Chapter 9, The Danger of the Daniel Fast Daniel chapters 1 and 10 are the passages most commonly used to define the Daniel Fast, in modern-day practice, those who participate in this fast limit their food choices to whole grains, fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds. Typically, no animal products are consumed. But take a look at Daniel 9.3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel ate nothing during this fast because he was fasting. 
Daniel chapter 1 refers to what he's doing as a diet. What Daniel did in chapter 10 is similar to what he did in chapter 1. It was a special diet that honored God. The sad truth is, people spend more time planning their meals for a Daniel fast than they do when they're eating normally. Christians become so proud of their Daniel fast dishes that they have to capture perfect Instagram and Facebook images of each meal. Are we focused on humbling ourselves before the Lord in prayer? No. We've created some weird subculture of the Daniel Fast Culinary Club. If we think it's pleasing to God, we're only fooling ourselves. The important question to ask yourself is this. Is the flesh being crucified? One of the main functions of fasting is to weaken the flesh. The flesh is always at war with the spirit and attempting to keep it from doing what it should do. Galatians 5.17 The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26.41 This sort of Daniel fasting doesn't crucify or weaken your flesh. Your flesh is still being given what it needs and wants to continue ruling your life. It doesn't resemble what Daniel did during his actual fast in chapter 9, and you won't find any record of the Jews nor New Testament believers practicing anything like the modern Daniel fast and calling it a fast. Let's be honest and call it what it truly is, eating. To fast is to refrain from eating. This is why I end my fast with the Daniel diet. It's reintroducing my body to foods that are easier on the digestive system before I go back to normal eating. With all of the biblical examples of fasting and prayer that we have, why do so many Christians choose the Daniel fast? Because it's the easiest on the flesh. The Daniel fast isn't a fast at all. It's merely a diet that Daniel followed while he waited on the Lord. If you are new to fasting, the best way to start out is to fast for a shorter time, maybe from sunrise to sunset, Judges 20.26. As you continue to press into God's presence, you may want to fast for three days, Esther 4.16, or seven days, 1 Samuel 31.13. Interestingly, Finus Dake who produced the Dake Annotated Reference Bible, suggested that Daniel 10.3 may actually be describing a full fast and not a diet as it's interpreted by so many. No pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, is the same as saying that he was on a total fast, not on a diet as some today call a Daniel's fast. The bottom line is, Fasting, as modeled throughout the scriptures, is a practice of totally abstaining from food to weaken the flesh and seek the face of God in prayer. Our desire should be to follow the model of Christ and the apostles, press in through prayer, and humbly yet boldly believe God for miracles. Okay, my disclaimers. I am not a medical professional, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as medical advice. Please, if you fast, fast responsibly. 
If you have any underlying health issues or an unhealthy relationship with food, do not fast. And if you're going on an extended fast, it's a good idea to check with your doctor first. Tomorrow, we will wrap up this series on fasting. I'm not sure where we are headed next. Maybe prayer, maybe healing, maybe prosperity, maybe favor. Is there a particular subject you'd like to go deep on? Let me know. All right, let me pray over you. Father God, we come before you with hearts full of gratitude, lifting our voices in praise and thanksgiving for all you have done. We thank you for your faithfulness, your unending love, and the countless blessings you have poured into our lives. We are deeply grateful for the promises in your word, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Thank you for being our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer in times of need. Father, we are in awe of your word and the power it holds. We remind ourselves and proclaim that you watch over your word to perform it. Your word does not return to you void, but accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. We stand on your promises of health. You are our healer. We claim the promise of a long and satisfying life, knowing you have numbered our days in your book. We believe in your word that says blessings shall follow us and overtake us. We are blessed to be a blessing, and in your generosity, we find our provision. We declare that we shall not want or be in lack, for you are our shepherd, and in you we have everything we need. Father, we hold on to the promise of peace that passes all understanding, which guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the wisdom you give abundantly to those who ask. You are the source of all wisdom and understanding. We praise you for what you are going to do in our lives, Father. We look forward with anticipation to the fulfillment of your promises, trusting in your timing and in your perfect will. We thank you in advance for the miracles, breakthroughs, and testimonies that are on their way. All glory, honor, and praise be to you now and forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me on Meditating the Word today. This is Cherie, reminding you that you are in my prayers. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.